We've been going through the holy history. The theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. All of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring all the people of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. title of today's message is Put God First. What's the title of today's message? So I wonder who or what is first in your life? What's the most important thing? What's the most important person in your life? Well, believe it or not, this, uh, this idea of putting God first comes directly out of the holy history today. Uh, we have been uh, following Israel. Uh, we started uh, with uh, Joseph, and we saw Israel move into Egypt. They became slaves in Egypt. God raised up Moses, delivered them. They went across the Red Sea. They wandered in the wilderness for a while. Finally, the adults that didn't want to go in and take the promised land died off, and their children, the young men in particular, uh, rose up and decided to be obedient to God. And they last week, we got to the point where um, the authority w- went from Moses. Moses passed away, and it was turned over to Joshua. And now Joshua is going to take them into the promised land. In everything that happened with Israel, we see that they learned to put God first. Now, that didn't always happen with Israel. And as a matter of fact, as we go through the holy history, you're going to see that, you know, their, their priorities wavered. Um, I like a, uh, a statement that Jesus made, and it kind of helps us to understand that what you value is what your heart is invested in, all right? Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, whatever you think is important. We're talking now about what is the most important thing to you. That's what I want you to apply today. So let's take a look at this. Um, God was in front of Israel as they entered the promised land. So they didn't just take up arms and cross the Jordan River and go in and start fighting. There was a, a, a very, very specific way that they entered the promised land. Now they had this very, very interesting Uh, It was essentially a box, right? It was called the Ark of the Covenant, and it was a gold-covered box, and the priests carried it on their shoulders. There were these rings on the sides of this box. This box is about this big, about that wide, about that tall, covered completely in gold, so it was pretty heavy, and it had the Ten Commandments in it. And it represented their relationship to God, right? It was the, the representation of God to them. Um, they didn't worship it like it was God, but it was what represented God's presence and their relationship with God. So the priests would put it on their shoulder and they would carry it. Now back then they didn't have their own place. They didn't have their own temple. They had what was called a tabernacle, which was a mobile temple. It was a tent essentially. And they set it up and that's where they would go and make their offerings and do all their worship. But in the middle of that temple, at the, at the most precious, holiest place of that temple, they put this box, right? Kids, what was the name of this box? The what? Oh, you weren't listening. The Ark of the Covenant. Say the Ark of the Covenant. Now, I know Ark, that's weird, right? You think of like Noah's Ark. Well, Noah's Ark was like a big box. 
This held a lot of animals, all right? This is a small box, and it held the Ten Commandments. It also held a couple of other things that were important. Uh, there was a, a jar that had some of the manna that the Lord provided for them in the wilderness, and uh, there was uh, Aaron's staff that budded. I won't get into the details of that. It's all important. All you need to know is this box represented God and their relationship with God, all right? So what happened was... When they entered the promised land, they had to cross this river called the Jordan. Now, for you and I, you know, we just think, okay, well, I'll just go find a bridge or, you know, maybe I'll swim across or, uh, you know, maybe I'll get in a boat. But this is like thousands and thousands of Israelites that have to cross this river. And that was going to be a real problem. Now, if you had a, a military like uh, Alexander the Great had, then they knew how to ford these rivers. That meant that they would create bridges or pontoons or they would find ways to put dirt in there and stop the water so that they could walk over. But Israel didn't have any of that. They just had God that they trusted. And here's this river between them and the promised land, and they all need to go across the river. Well, they can't all swim. God's got a plan. So he says to the priests, what I want you to do is I want you to take the ark and I want you to walk into the river. So that takes a little faith, doesn't it? Because the box is really heavy. You're not going to be able to swim with this box on your shoulder. So they walked, they marched into the river and guess what happened? Just like the Red Sea experience where the sea parted and the Israelites went over on dry ground, the same thing happened with the Jordan River. It says that it stopped way up in this town that was pretty far north, and it stopped flowing, and then they crossed on dry ground. Well, the Lord wanted them to remember that crossing, so he told them to go back into the river and pick out some stones and make a little monument so that they would remember that the Lord brought them into that land. What I'm trying to uh, get you to understand today is that God went in front of Israel. When you put God first in your life, he will prepare a way for you to do what he created and commanded you to do. You're here for a reason. You're here this morning for a reason, but you're in this world. You are in this life for a reason. God created you. Who created you? And he has a reason for you to be here. He created you, and then he wants to give you the direction that he wants you to take with your life. Kids, you're going through school, and, you know, you've got all these classes that you take and all these experiences and so forth, and that is a process that if you'll pay attention to God, he can use that process to point you in a certain direction. Now, I've watched a lot of you since you were born, and I've seen you change over that time, and I've seen you develop personalities and start to become the, the people that you are now and the, the men and women that you will be. And it's really, really in interesting and encouraging to me to see that. But I want you to pay attention to God. Adults, even those of you that think you're already in the, the place that God wants you to be, you and I need to pay attention to God and put him out in the front right? So that was what happened with uh, Israel. So let me read the, the uh, verses that uh, surround that. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before them, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows its banks all through the time of harvest. So they were entering when the Jordan was overflowing its banks. It wasn't just a little tiny trickle over a stream. It was pretty big, right? Verse 16, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathon, and those flowing downward toward the Sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off. So 
it stopped flowing and then the rest of the water just flowed on down and flowed out. And now all they had was a dry riverbed that they needed to walk across on. Now, the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, right? So our uh, leader is Jesus, right? He's the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the captain of our faith. What is the confession of faith that you make to get saved? You say Jesus is what? Who's in my karate class? What do we say? We say, Yesu Washunari. What does that mean? Jesus is Lord or Jesus is Master. That's the affirmation that we make. We're supposed to be following Jesus. We're not supposed to be just getting Jesus to come and do what we want. Hey, I want this, I want that, I want the other thing. And we kind of, you know, rub the Jesus lamp and Jesus is a genie that comes out. Um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. There's a, uh, a verse that we have in our karate class and it says what? All right, somebody rattle it off. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Say that. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will direct your paths. That's it. God's got to be first in everything. He's got to be out in the front. You follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't follow you. Right? I, I love the image of Jesus being our friend, but Jesus isn't your buddy. Hey, Jesus is my homeboy. We're hanging out, right? No, man, Jesus is the leader. Now, Jesus did tell his disciples, he said, you know, you're no longer servants alone. No, you're, you're my friends because I've told you everything that the Father told me. So Jesus does want to be your friend, but he's always in the position of authority. He's always dominant. He's always the leader, and he always goes out in front. You see, what we do is we make plans, don't we? We make plans, and then we pray and ask God to get in on our plans. And that's not the way to do it. Here's a stern warning from James. This is from James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, here's what we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. So for, so for the one that knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. So that's a stern warning. We need to say, if the Lord wills. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't make your desires known to the Lord. That doesn't mean that you don't make decisions and determinations, but you acknowledge God in every decision. And you say, Lord, I just want your will, not my will be done, but thy will be done. That's what I want. I want you to be in the lead. We need to learn to get in on what God is doing, not try to get God in on what we're doing. Amen? All right, number next, Israel put God first by keeping his commandments. Uh, we saw that, uh, that clear command in Joshua chapter 1 that you're going to be successful in all you do if you do what the Lord tells you to do. But here we have Joshua... Uh, this is Joshua 5, and this is verses uh, 1 through 9. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites, and these are the people that lived in the land, who were beyond the Jordan to the west 
And all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over. Their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. See, God didn't just do this miracle to do a trick, right? It wasn't even just practical so they could get over the river. It was intimidation, right? You put God first and he's going to ensure that you succeed and other people are going to know it. Verse two, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Gibeath Herloth, right? Now, kids, you can ask your parents about circumcision, okay? Because I'm not going to describe that today. And verse four, and this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt and all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. Through all, though all the people, excuse me, yes, though all the people who came out of Egypt had been circumcised, so the adults had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not. So while they were wandering in the, in the wilderness, they were really not obeying the commandments that the Lord had given them. Now, circumcision goes all the way back to Abraham. This isn't just part of the law, like the Ten Commandments. This goes all the way back to Abraham. God told Abraham, I want you to circumcise your sons, in fact, you need to circumcise all of your servants. Now, this is for males. Ladies, it's not for you. Again, kids, you can ask your parents, okay? Um, but it was symbolic of this covenant that God had made with them that God was going to bless Abraham's descendants. He was going to bless his seed, right? And that was traced through the males. So that's why they did what they did, okay? So now that they're going back into uh, this covenant relationship with God and doing what God wants, they're going to obey him to the letter, right? All of these people that had previously been circumcised but had disobeyed the Lord perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn their fathers to give to give us, Joshua says, a land flowing with milk and honey. This is verse 7 of Joshua 5. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. When the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained in their place until the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place was called Gilgal. Verse 10, while the people of Israel were camped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening in the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land and unleavened cakes and parched grain, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer any manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Right? So um, they obeyed the commandments of the Lord. They followed through and they circumcised their sons and then they began to celebrate the Passover again. Presumably, the entire time that they'd been in the wilderness, they hadn't even observed the Passover. The Passover was what commemorated their release from Egypt. God had strictly commanded them, you need to observe this every year. It's very, very important. It was the time when the death angel passed over the Israelite houses because they put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts, but took the life of every single firstborn in the land of Egypt right? Well, they hadn't been doing that, but they started obeying the Lord. So what is our lesson from this? We need to recognize that we obey the Lord in the details. Jesus said this. See, he made it simple. You can, you can memorize the Ten Commandments. I think that's great. But I'm going to tell you, you will keep all of the commandments of God by just paying attention to two. Two commandments. And I bet you can remember these, okay? 
Number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen? So we love God above all else. That's what we're talking about today. Put God first. If I love the Lord, then I'm going to put him first. Jesus said, finish the sentence. If you love me, all you don't know, keep my commandments. It's not an option. These are not the suggestions of the Lord. When you say Jesus is Lord, you're putting him in charge. And you're saying, I'm going to do what you say to do. But see, we're little, we're little rebels. We don't want to do what other people tell us to do. And we get to that place where we don't want to do what God wants us to do. And we're suspicious that maybe God doesn't have our best in mind, but he really does. He always does. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's number one. Love God with all you are. And then Jesus said, in the second commandment, which is like it, is what? Love your neighbor as yourself, right? Now, you know, not all of us have high regard for ourselves. Some of us have too much regard for ourselves, okay? But the best example that they had in the Old Testament was, hey, you take care of yourself. I want you to take care of your neighbor as well. Jesus kicked it up a notch, though. He said, love one another even as I have loved you. So now that's our standard, right? We love God with all we are, and then we love other people the way he loves us. These are the commandments, And you can think through these as you're living your daily life. And then last week, we really talked about another one that's very important. And it fits in with the the previous two, right? And it is, as you go into the world, make disciples. As you go into the world, preach the gospel. As you go into the world, share the good news about Jesus. So those three things you can do, I promise. You love God, top, above all else. You love other people the way you're taking care of yourself. More importantly, you love other people the way you're allowing Jesus to love you. And then number three, you share the gospel everywhere you go. As you go into the world, you share the gospel. That's how we can put God first. Israel put God first by keeping his commandments. And then the other thing is they observe the Passover. That can just remind us to recognize the Lord in every celebration, all right? I'm gonna be glad when summer's over. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. There are three major celebrations that completely belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, and everybody in this country just turns the other way. The first one we're going to encounter in November, it's what? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Who are we giving thanks to? God. You you don't just have a feeling of thanks. We give the Lord thanks. We look at the things in our lives and all that the Lord has provided, and we give him thanks. Okay, sure, there's plenty of things wrong. There's plenty of issues that we face. There's plenty of issues in our country, but we give God thanks for all of the the freedoms and all of the wonderful things that he's given us. We give God thanks because he's worthy of that. What's the second major holiday that you would think that I would be thinking of when it concerns, hey, this belongs to God and not the world? Christmas. Kids, what is Christmas? Is it the birthday of Santa? No. Is it about snowmen and sleighs? No. No. It's Jesus' birthday, right? Now they throw all those other things in there. Sure, that's a lot of fun. That's great. And I can show you, you know, when we get closer to Christmas, that St. Nicholas, whose name became Santa Claus, was a big-time Christian who really, really, really loved Jesus. And we've turned him into this kind of different sort of a person, right? But Christmas belongs to Jesus, and we need to put God first in Thanksgiving, right? Not football, not turkey. Turkey Day, are you kidding me right now? We don't celebrate turkeys, right? When I was a kid, we used to call people turkeys. We would say, you turkey, and that meant that they were a dork, all right? So Turkey Day is dork day, I guess, right? 
No, we, we give God thanks, and then at Christmas, we put Jesus first, and then what's the third holiday, and really it's more important than Christmas, the third holiday that people in the world just don't pay attention to what it's about. Easter, and Easter's about what? That's the resurrection of Jesus. Man, that's why we're sitting in this room. That's why you can be saved. So we need to put God first in these celebrations, right? Number four, Israel put God first by giving him all of the spoil from that first battle. So their first battle was against this city called Jericho. And what would happen is when they won a battle, then all of the stuff that was left over from the people they defeated, they were permitted to take. They weren't stealing it because they were given that as spoil. That was their reward for winning the battle. Now, we may go into this in more detail in future days, but the reason that God um, was getting rid of the people in Canaan is because they were really, really bad. They were super, super wicked people, okay? Um, go to Leviticus and read Leviticus um, 20, through 22, and you'll see some of the horrific things that God commands the Israelites not to do. And right there, he says, and this is the reason why I'm getting rid of all these people from Canaan, because they are so defiled. When you read those chapters, you're going to find that this country has turned down that same road and people are doing some of those things and justifying them. Listen, man, God's commandments are true and we need to follow what he has to say. Okay, so um, they gave him, that is God, all of the spoil from this first battle because God basically gave them the battle, okay? So this is found in uh, Joshua 6, 17 through 19, all right? And the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the harlot and all who are in her house shall live because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you, uh, lest when you have devo devoted them and you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of, a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it, right? So in other words, this belongs to the Lord. Don't take what belongs to God. Amen? Don't steal from God. You say, well, what belongs to God? How many of you have said Jesus is Lord? You belong to God. All of you, every part of you belongs to the Lord, okay? In view of God's mercy, Paul said in Romans chapter 12, offer your body up as a living sacrifice. God doesn't want dead sacrifices, he wants your life to be lived for him. Offer up your body as a living sacrifice to God, and that's just your reasonable service of worship. That's your spiritual service of worship. You are wholly dedicated to the Lord. Now, what we do is we take the first and the best of everything we have, and we give that to the Lord first. So I encourage you, every week, I keep saying this, you need to give the first of your time, your talent, and your treasure to the Lord, right? When you wake up in the morning, first thing, get into the word, pray, put on a little worship music, make him first in your day. Whatever talent you have, offer that to the Lord first, right? We have all of these wonderful musicians up here. I picked on some of them last week. Um, 
And uh, Shelby's been playing up there for the last, how, how many weeks have you been playing up there now, or months? Like a while, right? And you play bass, right? Okay, so that's a talent he had. Now, he could be playing in some rock band somewhere, and maybe he does, I don't know. But here we are on the first day of the week, and on the first day of the week, Shelby's up there offering his talent to the Lord. Amen? Hey, whatever it is, offer it to the Lord, right? Give him the first. And the first of our treasure, that's the first of our money for us. We don't have sheep and goats and all of that other kind of stuff. We earn money. That's the tithe. The tithe is the first 10%. You bring all the tithe into the storehouse. So if you make $100, what's the tithe off $100? You put $10 in the offering plate. Okay, if you make $1,000, what's 10% of that? You say, oh, that's too much money then you may not be making too much more than $1,000, all right? We give it all first to the Lord. Our bodies, our lives, our time, our talent, our treasure. God gave Israel the victory over Jericho, right? And he gave all, they gave all the spoil to the Lord. The Lord grants success to those who worship him. And you and I need to recognize his providential activity in our lives. What does that mean? God is directing you day by day already. Are you paying attention to him? He's trying to give you direction. He wants you to have success. I believe this. I really believe this. God wants you to be successful in everything you do. He wants you to be successful in everything you touch. And if you put him first, he promises that he will do that. The theme verse for today could easily be found in the New Testament, and that is Matthew 6.33. Does anybody know Matthew 6.33? Seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you as well. That's, it's just very simple. Put God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, right? Um, so the Lord went before them. He gave them this city and they gave him all of the spoil from the city. Now, it's worth seeing how the Lord gave them the city. This could have been a whole message. Um, Jericho was a walled city. And again, just like they didn't have the tools to ford the Jordan River, they didn't have the tools to breach a wall either. Okay? So basically, how are they going to take the city if it's got a wall around it and the gates are closed? Well, God said, don't worry about that. I've got a plan. So here's what he told them to do. And once again, God was out in front. He said, the priests, remember the priests and the ark? Hold the ark on their, sh- on their shoulders. He said, I want them to march around the city. One time, each day, for six days. That's all I want them to do. I want them to put the, the ark of the covenant on their shoulders, and I want them to march around the city. They were taking authority over that city. I wonder what your Jericho is. What is it that you can't get into? What nut can't you crack? What can't you, uh, what, what glass ceiling can't you blow through? What is your hindrance right now? They listened to the Lord and it didn't, didn't make any sense. It was just goofy as all get out. They're going to march around the city, right? And then he said, the Lord said, on the seventh day, I want the priests to march around the city seven times and blow ram's horns, blow these trumpets, and the Lord will give you the city. Kids, if you've been in Bible study, you've been in Sunday school, you probably know the the end of the story. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times, they blew the trumpets, and the walls did what? They just fell down. 
And then the people went in and did what they were supposed to do. Now, my last point today is a warning. They were told to do what with the spoil? Who were they told to give it to? God. How much of the spoil were they supposed to give? All of it, because it's the first city. You give your first and your best to the Lord. That was their first victory. God gave them their first victory. They gave him all of the spoil from that first victory. But there was one guy that got greedy. His name was Achan. And I remember his name because Achan was Achan after this. He took some of the spoil and he hid it in his tent. And so now Israel's done. They have, they've had victory over Jericho, this city that was scary. It had these big, tall walls. They didn't know what they were going to do. God gave them the victory. And they're like, wow. Then there was this little city that was the next one. It was called Ai, A-I. That's the, the name of the city. And Joshua said, eh, let's just send a few troops over there. We don't have to worry about that. That's nothing. Man, God's on our side. We'll just send a few troops over there. They'll take that city and we'll move on. Well, guess what? They sent those troops over there and they got defeated. Joshua tore his clothes and fell on the ground. He said, Lord, what's going on here? We came over here because you wanted us to come over here. Something's wrong. And the Lord said, yep, something's wrong. One of your members, one of your number, one of the people in your community has chosen to steal from me. And now you're all going to suffer because of it. So they found out who it was. And I know it's rough. It's harsh. It really is. And... They took him out of the community and they stoned him, right? That's, that's harsh, man. That's really, really harsh. That's not, thankfully, we're under grace, right, and not under the law. But that's how they purged the evil from them. They didn't allow that evil to stay among them because had they done that, they would have been defeated everywhere they went. Again, I believe that the Lord wants you to have victory in everything you do. I do. I believe he wants you to succeed in everything you do, but you need to follow him, not him follow you. You need to put the Lord first, right? No one's going to get away with stealing from God. There's a story in the New Testament that's really rough about this. It's about this couple named Ananias and Sapphira. So here's what was happening. In the early church, people that had extra money or extra property were selling it, and they were giving it to the apostles so the apostles could help people who were poor. And so there was one couple that sold a piece of property and they said, we're selling this property and we're giving it all to the Lord. But they didn't give it all to the Lord. See, they wanted the reputation for selling the property and doing what was good and right. But they wanted to keep some of the money. Well, they could have just sold the property and kept the money, but they made a promise to the Lord. This is why, friends, I always encourage you, usually around New Year's, don't make promises to God. Trust God's promises. They made a promise to God. And they, according to Peter, they lied to the Holy Spirit. You can't lie to God. How many of you think you'd get away with lying to God? That's not going to work. So um, Ananias and Sapphira, this couple, uh, Ananias comes to Peter first. And Peter said, okay, so you sold this property and you're giving it to the Lord, right? And I said, yep, sure am. And he said, how much did you sell this property for? And he said, such and such of an amount, an amount. Well, Peter knew the difference. He said, no, you didn't. And the man had a heart attack and died right there at Peter's feet. So they carried him off. His wife didn't know. A couple hours later, she comes up. Peter gives her the same shot. Did you sell this property? Are you going to give it all to the Lord? How much, how much did you sell it for? She said this. And he said, no, that's not true. You're lying to the Holy Spirit. She died too. 
Well, that's tough. You don't lie to God. Again, you know, I want all of us to succeed. I want all of us to have grace, but I want you to understand no one gets away with stealing from God. We need to give God the glory. Amen. We need to give him thanks for everything that he provides. And we need to give him our first and our best. Right? So fear the Lord and put God first in everything you do. It's been a pretty simple message, but you're going to see that as long as Israel did that, they were successful. And as soon as they turned away from the Lord and started worshiping idols and started doing things their way, they failed. See, in the end, friend, this is a heart issue. As I said at the beginning, where your treasure is, what? Do you love Jesus? See, when you love somebody, you'll put up with anything, won't you? Wives, you know this is true. All right? If you love somebody, you'll put up with all of their, their drama. And if you don't, it doesn't matter what they do. Wives, you know this, right? <laughs> it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they say. That person is a rat, and you're not going to have anything to do with them because you don't trust them, and you don't like them, and you don't want them. Well, I'm saying put God first. Your love for Jesus needs to be first, and I'm guaranteeing you, everything else will fall in line. There will be times when you just wonder why God's doing what he's doing or why God's not responding to your prayers. But in the end, you're going to say, you know what? I know you're good. I know you're loving. I know you're kind. My heart belongs to Jesus, and I'm going to do what you want me to do. Pretty simple message, friends, but it's something that we all need to understand and we all need to do. Put God first.